Oh, uh, let's talk about uh, why you should get your flu shot. Welcome to episode two of Crypto and Cocktails. I'm Jason. I'm Garrick. Ron. Julie. Matt. What is everybody drinking today? Let's see, I've got a Lawson's Sip of Sunshine IPA. I'm drinking, uh, I don't actually know the name of the brewer. I think it's Swedish. It's called Goes to Hollywood. It's a sour goes. And I think it's made by OL, which I guess is Swedish. <laughs> I'm drinking soy milk that I stole from your fridge because I brought chocolate chip cookies. I'm Matt, and I'm drinking Quinta dos Fermos. It's a Portuguese wine in the uh, Bira interior. Funny fact, this is the first one I drank after I totaled my motorcycle in Spain. Wow. The next day, I drank this, and I went to the winery and then bought a couple cases. And I'm uh, drinking a IPA called Fogo Banger from The Alchemist. Nice. Cheers, guys. Cheers. 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 So, uh, each episode we like to introduce a buzzword. And if that's mentioned during the podcast, we all take a drink. This week's buzzword is crypto. That'll be fun. So in the last episode, I had talked about some speculation on Twitter. Some people were watching Ampool. They were tweeting at Poloniex and saying, like, basically, help us. We have a support ticket. Take a look at it as soon as possible. Which is amusing because they're kind of like the, the regular plebs asking for help. And people had speculated, you know, that the Twitter was hacked or they got hacked. Uh, and someone had liquidated the funds and dumped them on Poloniex to get rid of them. So I looked into it more. And Poloniex was having some sort of technical problem where their account balances were not staying up to date for a lot of users. So they had issued a tweet saying, quote, some balances are off and will be corrected. Forced liquidations are turned off temporarily. Then shortly thereafter, the tweets from Ampool were deleted. Uh, they, you don't find them anymore on their, their site. And Linux never really replied to Ampool. Uh, and then nothing really has happened since then. From what I can tell, it looks like Ampool's Twitter handle might have been hacked and was making it look like something happened, but I could not find any evidence that funds were stolen from Ant Pool, so still speculation. Pool for Ant. Pool for Ant. Tiny, tiny Ant. <laughs> it's like the classic sports star <clears throat> Twitter defense. Uh, yeah, someone hacked my Twitter account. That was not me hating on the <laughs> cornerback of blah, blah, blah. Well, it's just silly. How can ants tweet? They're just so tiny. They have to walk really far to get across the keyboard. The, the mother queen no, organizes. The queen, yeah. the queen ant, yeah. The queen tweet. Queen tweet. The queen tweeter. So ants tweet now. They're like birds. But birds eat ants. This is getting a little complicated. Birds tweet ants. They, don't they like make, don't they cross their little yeah, antennas? I don't even know. So they, they antenna? Fun fact, uh, did you know that ants can actually float in the water? Surface tension, right? Yeah, no, no, they, they, they form a little group. It's disgusting and they float across the water. Oh, they form like it together. Yeah. Oh. And they draft. Yeah. Have you seen it? I they all like connect videos of yeah. But wait, why is it gross? It's not like they like get soggy and it's not like soggy bread or anything. <laughs> it's like it's just very creepy. Just, look at that. It's creepy. It's creepy. Yeah. Just tons of ants. I don't. I don't know. That's a thing. It is a thing, but it's not creepy. I guess if you envisioned yourself as the water, it, that would be creepy. Yeah, like if you were in the water and then you saw that thing floating like right by your mouth, I yeah. think. You'd probably forget. <laughs> <laughs> but a good source of protein. Yes. Let's be honest here. 
delicacy in a lot of countries, right? Yeah. I don't know if it's a delicacy so much as, again, just a source of protein. <laughs> well, I wonder where they're going. Alright, so Poloniex tweeted, some balances are off and will be corrected. Forced liquidations are turned off temporarily. That was at 3.08 p.m. on January 17th. Uh, that tweet is still up. It's two weeks ago. So we can link to that. Seems like ancient history at this point. <laughs> well, at least they weren't hacked. Yeah. Or at least they didn't make news for being hacked. So we also talked last week about Korean and what they were going to do with cryptocurrencies. Uh, I guess I guess we're drinking to that. Oh yeah, drink. <laughs> to crypto. To crypto? If you named your dog crypto, we'd oh. be drinking to your dog. Oh, there we go, drink again. Oh, right. <laughs> crypto. Crypto's now your kryptonite. Are you serious? <laughs> now, you're just, now you're just trolling us. Especially the one that's not drinking alcohol. It's just drinking milk. <laughs> it's great. I'm gonna nurse Actually, for an Asian, that's probably a bad thing. Soy milk. Oh, soy milk. We're going to start making you You're drink a ripple. You're an Let's be honest here. So Korea came out with some um, clarifications, I guess, on what they're going to do in that market. And it's an increase of taxes on currencies, on virtual currencies traded, as well as... Does uh, virtual currencies include crypto? <laughs> <laughs> this is not crypto. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> What's the current tax rate on cryptocurrencies there? Sorry, I did not mean to do that that time. I did, I did not. Julie's yeah, still, Julie's don't count to. until she starts drinking alcohol. You have to drink. It's I, not... will, I will switch over to wine. I don't know what the existing tax rate was, but they did increase it. It essentially came out and it was not a ban or anywhere close to it, which they were saying earlier that week. So within a week, they had backtracked on it and said, you're allowed to trade it. There are these new rules these higher taxes, and they started enforcing the rules around trading it and opening up accounts and being able to move fiat into whatever virtual market existed up there. As far as I know, a bunch of those Korean exchanges have never stopped working. Nothing's ever stopped. But what they're going to do is all anonymous accounts and all accounts linked to your name, you can withdraw fiat from there, but you can't deposit new and you can't make trades. Any accounts that want to trade cryptocurrency, you have to law. You have to register your account with a registered bank that that is authorized to take to do this, and that requires your name, your Korean version of your social security, and all that. Yeah. And then you can then transfer money in, and then from that account, you can then trade cryptocurrencies. Yes. Any money taken out after ten thousand US, I think, will get flagged. Any money taken out over twenty thousand will automatically get like audited. So if you were in Korea now, you will have to take your money out of the accounts. You won't be able to put new money into your accounts. You'll have to register a new account. Yep. And then mm. once you register that new account with your ID, so no no more anonymous accounts, yes. then you'll be able to trade. This allows them to control the, to handle like taxes just the way stocks are. Isn't this a good thing ultimately? Because the more regulation means that it's going to become a little bit more mainstream anyways. Yeah, there's more accountability. It's good for holders like yeah. you. But so it, it seems like there's a sort of a grandfathering for existing users to unload. Correct. You'll be able to take money out of your accounts, but none of no accounts, even if you registered an account last month with your full name and everything, that account will not work going forward. Right. You'll have to take money out, create a new account, and then transfer money in. 
also the banks that are allowing that to take place there's only you have to get like certified and stuff like that you just can't go to like any other any any like small place and just like do a wire transfer and get money in did you have to open your account in person i I thought i read that somewhere as well uh not from what i know i mean you just go to the website but they'll validate your id yeah it's probably like how you open any uh, bank account when they do certain yeah like like a capital 1360 or something like yep. that. There's no fiscal bank for you to go to, even if you wanted to. Hold your ID up to the webcam. Well, there's one in downtown. Not a thing. <laughs> That's like a cafe. <laughs> yeah, the one next down in, in Brookline's a cafe too, right? Yeah, it's a cafe. Yeah. You can open up bank accounts in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it seems tenable now, mm-hmm. where you know, such a big part of virtual currencies is uh, you know, moving it from fiat in, into virtual and then back and forth. But what about in a few years if it's super mainstream just to stay in a virtual cryptocurrency? <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> um, you just said same currency before, too. So then uh, if you don't need to go back to fiat, then there's going to be this massive gap in, in their <clears throat> taxation. Well, I mean, you're going you're gonna to tax it at one point, right, When you, if you ever bring it back, right? Yeah, right. But like, if, but if say, you can buy services with with a Bitcoin, there's no reason to bring it back into fiat. Right. So exactly. That's, I mean, at that point, I would assume you're getting paid in Bitcoin, and you'd you'd also the government would know about that. that yeah, they wouldn't right? know. No, no. Well, it'd be like a ten. No, maybe yeah, four companies. Like yeah, like no, the other company would or like a ten eighty or whatever. Yeah. The government would make companies report salaries and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Right. And if you buy something at a store with you know whatever currency you're using they would record the sales tax and all that. So there so the idea is that any entry and exit they have full notification of who you are and then through the blockchain they can track every transaction. So they'll be able to figure out where the money's going. Yeah. I mean you know, a better question is like whether in this situation is would they double tax you? Yeah. It would be easier for you to get money out of the country, which is Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot harder in certain environments like China. I think Korea is probably one of those places where it's hard to get money out of the country. I think the loophole I'm thinking is you have money in, in one of these currencies and then you buy digital goods. So you convert it to a service or a good, but there's never a point in, in the real world where it converts and the government. Yeah, I mean, that'd be kind of like equivalent to just like using cash at that point, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, I get paid from a client with a check, that check gets deposited in my account, then I pay for services with my credit card, and then I pay that credit card off with the money. Like, I never hold cash. Like, I run the entire company off. Uh, no one ever pays me cash, and I never pay any of my vendors in cash. So there's no need for having cash. I have cash for, you know, when I need to, like, you know, get my laundry done or something like that. You know, it, it's it's the same thing, and it's just that it the blockchain actually, if you're using Bitcoin, the blockchain actually has a more transparency, right? So if I had a stack of five thousand dollars and I use that to go around Boston and pay for all my things, there's no trace of me. But if you pay with everything through the blockchain, you have a public record of everything you bought. Mm-hmm. That's what makes something like uh, Zcash compelling, because then you don't have that. Right. So the thing is, is that. It, you know, Korea is like, all right, these currencies, the public is using them, so we're going to just treat them like any other currency and other any other commodity. You're eventually going to get into this thing where 
people just create a new currency that goes around these rules. Mm. And that's going to be the real dynamic. But these rules aren't tied to a specific cryptocurrency. Correct, but you it's could easily... Drake. Right. I'm sorry, also, can we please define what Zcash is? Oh, yeah. So Zcash is one of the earlier alternative currency, virtual currencies um, started by this guy, Zuku, or Zoku. I don't know how to pronounce his name, really. It's Z-O-O-K-O. Sounds like a Dragon Ball Z yeah. character. He's like one of the original cypherpunks. So I can talk about cypherpunks too, just to remind me. Are they different than uh, crustpunks? <laughs> Not related to crustpunks. Uh, Do they so have trash names? Zuku has been in the, he's original cypherpunk, and he's been working in the crypto space since the 90s. And Zcash is a currency that's mostly focused on privacy. You can conduct a transaction and you can't really see, you can see money going in, but you can't see where it goes or where it's directed to. It's like the Tor of currencies, I guess. Yeah, it uh, uses zero-knowledge proofs instead of, um, like, the, I, I don't actually know the, the internals of how it works, but the theory behind it is a technology called zero-knowledge proofs, and uh, it's in the wild. You can buy it on a bunch of exchanges. It's doing pretty well. And it's um, been around since the 90s? No. Or he's since, just been He's been the working 90s, in but... the field since the 90s. He's worked on a bunch of really interesting other technologies in the sort of peer-to-peer file sharing space. I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, he worked on a project called Tahoe FS, which is a peer-to-peer file system, file system which is uh, censorship-resistant, has a lot of the same properties as Tor, but to you operating on your computer, it operates as a fi- like a file system, even though it hosts all the files on a decentralized uh, network. And he's now focused on Zcash. Yeah, the real thing is, is that you can control fiat into the currencies through the banks and everything that but then it's when you go on the exchanges and there's like 500 different currencies and you start swapping things around that's when it gets difficult to track where it goes yeah but at least in the u.s if you follow the tax rules around all of that anytime you go from usd to bitcoin you don't have to pay tax it's when you take it out but when you take it out you have to pay tax if you go from bitcoin to zcash you're supposed to pay a tax if you go from Bitcoin to I bought a coffee down the street, you're actually supposed to pay a tax. Yeah. Anytime you exchange that currency for a good or a piece of cash or a U.S. dollar, you're supposed to pay taxes on it. So essentially, if you're getting paid in USD and you're investing in Bitcoin or anything else, you have to pay a tax in order to buy a good. Right. So I don't think there's ever a case where you would... You'd buy a goods based off Bitcoin and in a tax sense, not like lose out. The tax is paid double the tax. The tax is doing the conversion, right? The tax is going. Well, as long as you made money uh, when you did that conversion, right? So if you buy for a dollar of Bitcoin and then you buy $2 worth of goods, you have to, you have to report a dollar worth of capital gains. If, if I'm going to sell you this bottle of wine for one Bitcoin, you give me that one Bitcoin. Yeah. Then I give you the bottle of wine. Yeah, there. It's not like you made or lost any bitcoins on. Yeah, but the value of that bitcoin is whatever the value of bitcoin is today. And if I bought that bitcoin for less than that, I've I've made money off of it, and I have to report that margin as capital gains. You have to match up every single transaction, buy and sell you make, whether it's for good or services at that moment in time. So whether or not I'm buying a good, that that bottle of wine may or not be worth 
eleven thousand dollars. Right, right. But the value of that is eleven thousand dollars. Yeah. To put it in right. an example, if he bought, let's say Jason bought uh, ten dollars worth of Bitcoin six months ago, and then he uses that Bitcoin to buy a twenty dollar bottle of wine with the same Bitcoin. Because the value of the $10 amount of Bitcoin is now worth $20. He buys the wine from you, he still has to pay capital gains on that, that $10 uh, profit or the value increase at the time that he bought the wine from you. Right, right, yeah, that makes sense. So whether people do that is up in the air, but yeah. technically, technically the law, that's to. what you're supposed to do. Now, the interesting thing is, let's say you have a wallet, uh, or you're on a few exchanges, and you exchange Bitcoin to Ethereum, and Ethereum to Zcash, and you exchange on an ex you trade this money fungibly back and forth uh, within your own ecosystem. Like, you could, in theory, set up your own exchange for yourself, and every time you do that exchange, uh, in the conversion, you're going to have to pay tax on that. That seems kind of weird. You're saying if you own multiple currencies, yeah, right? You wouldn't report it that way then, mm. right? So if, let's say, each of you are a different currency for me, right? My it it, it would cash, it'd be the same. Cash. We could be we could be garlic, garlic cash. cash. <laughs> <laughs> it could it could just be we could all be different countries. It's the same theory, right? Mm -hmm. If I hold accounts in each of these countries, if I hold accounts in each of these currencies, I don't have to make that transaction. I, I make an internal adjustment inside and I say, okay, instead of paying Ron out of Julie coin, mm -hmm. I'm going to pay Ron out of Ron coin because I have that. Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm not making a conversion. I'm just, I have this currency. I'm just paying right. it. If, if I'm a corporation of different entities, then I could do some cool stuff with that. Interesting. So uh, I used a really interesting service recently. Um, so there's a few services that do this. I don't, I don't know if there's a good name for it, but it's basically uh, you have, let's say, Bitcoin, and you want to convert it to Litecoin. And if you want to do that conversion normally, you'd go on an exchange like Poloniex or GDAX. Uh, you'd sell your Bitcoin and you'd buy Litecoin, right? But you have to like list it. You have to look at the prices and kind of do all that work yourself. So there's a few services. Um, one is Shapeshift.io. The other one is changeli.com. I've used Shapeshift in the past, and I just recently used Changeli, and it was a really nice service. I actually got rid of all my Bitcoin gold, so I had all this Bitcoin gold from an airdrop and wanted to get rid of it. So I sent it to Changeli, and I specified my Bitcoin address that I wanted them to convert it to, and they just show you what the conversion rate is. And then about 30 minutes later, it showed up in my Bitcoin wallet. So that was nice. You don't want to get into the nitty-gritty details like getting into an exchange. You can just kind of like drop it on these guys. They just charge you a flat fee um, on the exchange? Or? Yeah, it was pretty low too. Yeah. So it's a small fee. So they're like the guy in the bank. I mean at the uh, at the airport that's yeah. exchanging you local currency. Exactly. So maybe a link for that can be put into the notes for the podcast. Sure. Yeah, that'd be good. So one of our other items that we talked about last week was Tether. And that, that was funny because everybody was down last week, except for Tether and some other small cryptocurrencies. So apparently there's, there's a reason why they were up. Uh, yeah, there's interesting website appeared last week called the Tether Report. It's uh, www.tetherreport.com. 
So Tether is growing through minting coins in response to market conditions. That's kind of like the summary of what they say. I was seeing on Twitter and on uh, the Bitcoin for Slack price talk channel, and there was people just speculating that every time Tether mints new coins, then they were seeing a correlation with price drop in Bitcoin, and then they'd see all these new Tether coins dump into the market. What they were speculating was that Tether was minting coins, basically printing them on a thin air, and then selling them to buy up more Bitcoin. So if you go to the tetherreport.com, they basically have an in-depth report with a lot of technical analysis showing this. And their high-level overview says that <clears throat> Tether is minting coins and it moves the market for the Bitcoin price. And 48.8% of the Bitcoin price rise after a two-hour window following the deposit of 91 different Tether grants to a known Bitfinex wallet. So Bitfinex is a, uh, a large exchange. So there's pretty decent evidence here that Tether is owned by a company, not an open source. Uh, it might be an open source project, but it's, it's developed by people at a company. And the summary of the report says, author's opinion is highly unlikely that Tether is growing through any uh, organic business process rather that they are printing in response to market conditions. Tether printing moves the market appreciably. 48.8% of Bitcoin's price rise in the period studied occurred in the two hour periods following the arrival of 91 different Tether grants to the Bitfinex wallet. Bitfinex wallet and deposit statistics are unusual and would give rise to further scrutiny in a typical accounting environment. If there is questionable activity, the author believes 30 to 80% reduction in BTC price would be forecast. So yeah, just like looking through that stuff, it's pretty interesting. Also, uh, Tether just uh, dissolved their partnership with their auditors. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's not uh, scary. Yeah. In some uh, sort of way. And they also had a $23 million heist in November. Okay, so wait, I, I have a question. I have a question. So I don't quite understand. Like I read about Tether and I understood the sort of shadiness behind it. But how does it print money? Basically, because um, I mean, the whole point of the other alternative currencies is that you know there is a finite amount of bitcoin you know so how is tether doing are there ants involved other ants yes yeah. is there a pool and are the ants all swimming in them so there's no no pool as far as i know no one's pulling to mint or to mine tether because the way their mining algo works is a little different i don't know the details but uh basically they're things like bitcoin gold bitcoin cash litecoin uh in bitcoin when they mine a block, there's a consensus on the network about how many coins are sent to the winner of the block. And right now, I think in Bitcoin, it's 12.5. In Tether, they can dynamically change that amount. So if they change the amount on their network, then they can just reward themselves with however much, much as they want. Okay. So if they can respond to market conditions extremely quickly and say, okay, look, the price is going down in Bitcoin. It would be a really great time to buy. Let's mint a ton right now, sell it on the market, buy up the Bitcoin, and then we're just diluting our own, the value of our own currency to all the existing holders. But if you invent this currency and it you know, costs you nothing to, to print it, then that's going to benefit you. So that's the problem with like a really centralized coin like Tether is that you're if you're holding it you're kind of at the whims of these these guys just printing. Yeah. So I think a lot of the assumptions with a lot of altcoins are that they run by the same rules as Bitcoin does, mm -hmm. right? That they have the same controls in place that everything because the first thing you learn about is Bitcoin, 
And I think that that's, those are inherent properties in all altcoins. And that's totally not the case. There are altcoins out there that have no blockchain, have nothing to do with it, and it's essentially as good as you know the Argentinian dollar at this point, right? right? Like it's money that you can just they can just say, oh, there's this is what the market cap is. This is how much money is available. Start trading it because it's a it's an altcoin. Yeah, this there's is, no this altcoin. Is the hot new thing yeah. out there. Exactly, everyone should buy this yeah. one. Yeah. It's it's the reason why was it. Was it Kodak's stock price went up because they were invested in blockchain right, technology? To over to, yeah. Right, like yeah. if you have if you mention blockchain anywhere in your in your company, all of a sudden people are interested in you. Right, even Master, though like, you know you're still making like film. Long Island Ice Tea blockchain or something. Whatever. Yeah, like what does that have anything to do with, <laughs> with your D and D character? Yep. Your D and D character. So, so did nobody realize that Tether is actually acting in a literal sense, like tethering to Bitcoin, because that's literally what they're doing. Right? No, they're tethering to the dollar. They're supposed to tether <laughs> to the dollar, but even then, I guess they are kind of tethering because they're quantitative easing themselves. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I actually don't fully understand the value of tether other than the hype. Yes, yeah, so it has a billion dollar market cap, and they print tether units and it's printed by the Tether Limited Company. So there's a the Tether Limited, they print Tether units, and then you can buy the units and use those units on the Tether platform. This feels very much like, do you remember when Toys R Us had their own, like, whatever that giraffe's name is? They had, like, fake oh, money. Oh, fake money, yes. Yeah, I yeah. Those. It's like, it's, it's like, it was like Monopoly. It's like Chuck E. Cheese. It was like Monopoly. Yeah. yeah. Chuck E. Cheese and, and taking Chuck E. Cheese coins. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like, it's like uh, Disney Bucks, right? Or, I don't know if you guys remember, there's a Simpsons episode where they go to Itchy and Scratchy Land, and Homer shows up, and they're like, oh, you can use American dollars, or you can use Itchy and Scratchy dollars. And he's like, what's the difference? He's like, oh, it's the same thing, but it's more fun. So he buys a bunch of Itchy and Scratchy dollars, and then shows up to the park, and everyone goes, we don't accept Itchy and Scratchy dollars here. <laughs> so, so, like, basically, they created a cryptocurrency, they control the, the right. amount... And they uh, and you have to you have to spend it on the tether network. It's even worse though, right? Because you can. Can you only buy because tether balls? When it decides mm. to like latch onto Bitcoin or whatever, it's like, and then you just decide they're taking all of tether and then just like using it to buy Bitcoin, and then you're devaluing Bitcoin. You're just literally just flooding the market and devaluing their currency. Yeah. And yeah. Like, causing that kind of impact. I mean, it's the twenty fifth biggest currency, and they created a billion dollars market cap from nowhere. I mean, that's what they're doing. Yeah. They're creating, you know. There's probably a lot more of them out there. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of marketing involved. In are we going to see this on the next, like, Fox News at 10 o'clock? Like, do you know where your children are? Are they playing with cryptocurrency? <laughs> are they playing with Tether? They play with Tell them to stop. The newest Tether <laughs> We're going to see it on Fox, but they're going to be like, here's four easy ways to buy Tether. <laughs> <laughs> Have you used... But, um, man, how scary is that? It's like, it would be like China just printing out, like, a couple trillion won. And then coming in and just buying all this U.S. debt, yeah. and then that's, devaluing. But that's, that's, wait, that's wait. what they do. They literally do that. That is literally what they do. In a controlled aspect, though. Well, uh, yeah. like, in, but like they, you they just describe the Chinese economy. <laughs> yeah, the nineties. No, they devalue. They, they devalue their own currency, right? Yeah, that's what so, they wanted to do. Right, but I'm saying if you were to able to devalue someone else's currency, yeah, without without like 
without them knowing about it. Or, or Do you like, know what happened in Southeast Asia in the 90s? Where they <laughs> completely destroyed, like, Thailand's currency, Malaysia's currency? Yeah. They, you, had, you had people from Goldman Sachs manipulating, like, the Southeast Asian currencies and destroying the, the countries. What do they call it um, in China? They, they don't call it quantitative e- easing. They call it... Um, Price fixing. Price fixing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they have a name for it. I forget what it is. Ron, do you know anything about Bitfinex? Bitfinex, the yeah. custom exchange. Yeah. So those guys are like tethered to tether. Those guys are like, they're like in bed with each other. Uh, that exchange is like all about that. Yeah, so part of the tether report... Because that mostly tracks <coughs> should come from those guys. They track the money coming out of Tether and being deposited immediately to Bitfinex. Yeah, so there's something where those guys are like, like that's kind of like the main conduit in and out. Yeah. So every major, uh, especially miners, big miners, they have these personal relationships for the most part with um, with the big exchanges. Because when they are mining all these new cryptocurrencies, cheers. It's um, like how bankers are have good relations with the Fed. Yeah, so they have to go to the exchange <laughs> like, and say, hey, look. Gary Cohn <laughs> is like, I worked at Goldman. I think I should be in charge of the Fed. Yeah. So, yeah, these miners, they just have a good relationship with usually one or a few of the, the big uh, exchanges, and then they dump their coins with that exchange. On a semi-related note, but, like, part of the reason why I got interested in cryptocurrency and, you know, kind of delving into this area of the world that I have nothing to do with in my normal life is that I thought it'd be a nice, fun distraction from all the terrible things that are happening. And then I just find out, like, no, this is all shit, too. Like, everyone's just making <laughs> shit up. Everything is the same, except for this one's just online, made out of beat boops instead of literal coins. Yeah, you take, like, that, that gamer gate, like, angst, and you apply it to finance on forums, oh, so, and this is so what So now you they're have. channeling... Oh yeah, to yeah. a slightly more lucrative area. Uh, yeah, you I, go on the bit with, with, the, the like, bit, <laughs> with bots. With bots. Yeah. yeah, you go on the. Uh, the you just realize wherever, wherever you go, there's going to be horrible people everywhere. <laughs> I think, I think that's one of the exciting things about. The horrible people. No, about about. Jesus, like I, I came here for the horrible people. Yeah, it, it sort of is. It's it's uh, so about cryptocurrencies, right? Oh, yeah. So one of the exciting things about cryptocurrencies is, this is that people. a lot of people, especially after two thousand eight, read about the financial industry. They weren't a part of it really in any way. There's been a lot of books written about it. People know what mortgage-backed securities are. People understand a bit oh, more they how finance really, works. <laughs> they don't. Really, they they know. Of they it. understand the effects of it. Yeah. If you weren't in finance, it affected your life. If you were, it definitely affected your life. It affected everybody, yeah. right? They saw all those new movies. Yeah, you saw. You know, and everybody watches the Big, uh, Short. The Big Short and Wolf, you know, of, Wolf Wall of Wall Street. They want to be the big trader and everything. And this is essentially an opportunity for a lot of people to do that. Did you know the um, uh, the Mooch paid $500,000 to have his hedge fund in Wolf of Wall Street too? <laughs> oh, Just so it's like, I think it was like, so it like scrolled by or someone mentioned like, oh, hedge funds, and they rattled that name off. Of course he did. Of course he did. <clears throat> but like, it, it's, it's an opportunity for people to take part in a financial industry that, they, that wasn't really accessible to them in the past. I think access to the normal stock market has changed a bit in the past couple of years, or the past year, I would say. 
But prior to that, you had to go to a big bank. You had to go to an E-Trade or something. You had to pay a fee per transaction, right? That's what happens at Coinbase. Coinbase is like a billion-dollar company, and you pay transactions to buy things off from them. Yeah, How is Coinbase different than E-Trade? Well, Coinbase has a kind of a monopoly right now. Yeah, you're right. They have a monopoly on as day online. trading uh, as a platform to day trade Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. But they're also the largest Bitcoin on-ramp in the United States. Yeah. It's easy yeah. to use. You put it on your phone. I have kids who are using it. Right. It's simple. But at the same time... It's shitty. <laughs> but it's no different than other exchanges. It's an easy way for people to get into something where they think they can make a lot of money without fully understanding things. What they have to understand at the end of the day is that the people that are making money in this space are doing a lot of research in this space. Um, they're thinking about things like, what if this country does this? What if this country does that? where they're thinking about, hey, can I invest in Tether and then therefore make more money in Bitcoin? The money that's going into Bitcoin is not money that, that people aren't putting it in there necessarily for their best benefit. They're, they're doing it to try to make money. That's where a huge part of the investment comes from. Yeah. That's a huge part of where the global economy works at this point. Right. right, is people trying to make more money for themselves. Yeah, and I think like the whole commotion about it like the past few months is, I mean, sort of stemming from what you were talking about with how people got hurt from the financial crisis and stuff and they lot, probably lost a lot of money in their investments in their 401k and then they see all the banks, all the big banks get bailed out at the end. It's like mm -hmm. all, everything is set up for retail investors to fail and, and you know, institutions to to reap the benefits, right? Yeah, and I mean, they're probably seeing the, like Bitcoin as this is my way of, of hitting it rich, or like, or at least like yeah, everybody's buying a lottery ticket yeah. at this point, yeah. right? Uh, and I, I think Coinbase is is a huge part of that. When I said getting into investments has changed a bit, is Robinhood? I think Robinhood's changed the face of investments by being the easiest on ramp to standard stock investments in the U.S. Right because they charge no fees. Anybody can sign up for it. Way easier than you can sign up for a Coinbase account at this point. And then you can, you can start trading and they've put investment into that. And I know a lot of young people that use Robinhood as a vehicle of investment, whereas before you'd have to go through this entire thing with um, another industry. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the brilliance of <clears throat> someone like Robinhood is they're not tied to these, these like legacy ideas and, and supporting legacy users who are really familiar with the trading platforms. Yeah. And they came out this week saying that they would support, they were going to start trading Bitcoin on their platform. Right. In Ethereum. In Ethereum. So, so right off the bat, you get users who have no experience trading, who have experience with apps on their phone. Yeah. They can sign up on their phone. They can do everything from their phone. And now you're going to open that platform up to trading Bitcoin okay. and Ethereum yeah. and holding it as well. Robinhood, Robinhood has no platform that's outside of your mobile phone. Right. It's they have a website? I didn't realize that. I think they have a website version now, didn't they? Well, I, I don't know. That, that's new within the last Year, three months, yeah. six months, Actually, less than that. The psychology is behind... Um, you know, because these things are apps on your phone, you know, they're very simple, easy to look at, almost feels like a game at this <clears> point. Impulsive. Yeah. yeah. It is. On the other spectrum, I've talked to people that have started investing in traditional stocks, traditional investment vehicles because they got into Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Right. My advice to everybody is always like, if you're, if you're not in traditional investments, you shouldn't be in Bitcoin. 
because it's it's so volatile right now. And if you're doing it for fun, that's fine. But for your financial safety, like it's not <laughs> it's not a place where you think about it like gambling. You yeah. only put in what you're willing to lose. Yeah, you have better odds than the casino probably. But... Yeah, yeah, but like at the end but of the day, barely, shouldn't it be barely. something that you're you're staking your retirement yeah. on. So. It's it's like guys right now. Yeah, the first time I I heard about people that were into like trying to get into Bitcoin, and then them going, oh yeah, I opened a Robinhood account, or I started doing traditional investments. So it sort of is like it's like a gateway for a lot of people into traditional investments. Mm-hmm. Investment yeah, that's that not they necessarily think a bad thing either, in the sense that you know, let's let's take like the eighteen year old who's just reading about this and only put in hopefully, let's say 20 bucks or something simple like that. Yeah. They learn a little bit more about it and realize how volatile the market is, start looking at <clears> regular <throat> stocks, hopefully looking at mutual funds, you know, starting making, thinking about it in a hopefully healthier financial way. Yeah. It's not a terrible thing if we look at it in that sort of gateway drug. On the flip side, it could be a gateway drug. You end up putting your entire 401k in it and thinking, like, this is going to be totally fine. <laughs> Please don't do that. I mean, they're probably putting in, you know... <laughs> Uh, they're they're probably putting in more than twenty dollars. They're probably putting in you know half their trap money in there. So probably putting trap in money. all trap their money. money that they saved up all summer working at McDonald's and miss miss miss. Yes, McDonald's. Am, oh no no no! My favorite story is like when I'm like, how how are you going to pay for that baby? I'm like, oh miss miss, I'm going to buy a house. I'm like, oh really? How how are you going to buy a house? Where are you getting this money from? I worked all summer at McDonald's and I saved all of my money. I'm, you know what? You put me to shame. You're right. You can afford Trap to money. buy a house. And Trap. I cannot. Trap. I'm doing this wrong. I need to work for McDonald's. Would you say she's getting trap house money? <laughs> so speaking of words we don't know, we want to introduce some uh, some terminology we use on the show. So for our first term, what's trap money? <laughs> trap money is essentially... Uh, money you make doing illegal activities. So it could be, you know, selling coke or heroin or tether. Tether. <laughs> Tether's not illegal yet. Ooh. Uh, fentanyl. <laughs> fentanyl. So, so these guys in New Jersey were busted today. They had enough fentanyl, about a hundred pounds of it, which would have killed all the people in New York City and New Jersey. That's how much fentanyl they had. That's a lot. Yeah, that's that's the trap money. (laughs) Yep. And um, there's another drug. I got to look it up. It's 100 times more powerful than fentanyl. And up until last year, you could buy it freely from China. Like, I thought fentanyl was strong, but, you know. (laughs) What do you know? Like, like, their warm-up is my max, I guess. Um, I know this. Yes, it's... No, because I just, I literally just went to a thing about this. Yeah, so 100 times stronger than fentanyl, and up until last year... Carfentanyl. Yep, and you could buy it legally for from China. Cool. And yeah. it's only a class two. It's not, uh, it's not ranked as high as marijuana. Well, that's a totally different conversation to have. <laughs> well, I mean, these, these are facts. These are, there's no... No fake news? There's no policy discussion here. <laughs> these are just facts. So we talked about Coinbase and Robinhood and how they're the forefront of, I guess, I would say investment in the U.S. for, for, for the younger generations, yeah. millennials at this point. Yeah, it's um, kind of interesting how each country or each zone has their main exchange. Yeah. So, like, if you're in America, you talk about GDAX and Coinbase. Like, if you're in Europe, you use a certain one. Yeah. If you're in, you know, different, they have parts different of rules and regulations that they have to abide by. And, you yeah, know, it's and it's just, to... it's not even that, right? It's just, like, one company 
comes out and they monopolize yeah through a better ux better access or whatever first to market yeah and then they they just dominate and it is hard for other people but i mean at the same time it is hard to to just like if you are u.s based to say open your exchange to europe or something like that because there's so many rules and regulations in in their bankings right right but like why why is there not like 20 exchange 20 like exchanges in in it's america a lot, a, there's a lot exit. of work and operations right behind so you just get like, shoddy you operation. get like one or two right. and that's it well i mean it's yeah. a free market right people are opening up exchanges it takes money to open an exchange yeah. right mm-hmm. and well, they, they want to be the main one there are like pretty big players who have already left the market so uh in boston's uh circle circle internet financial circle.com uh, they're a huge player in buying. You could buy Bitcoin, keep it in the wallet. You could exchange it, uh, and they don't do that anymore. They're just like they pivoted. Now they're just trying to be like the new Venmo. Yeah, it's kind of uh, crazy. I mean, Coinbase made a billion dollars last year. You would think that people would like. Yeah, but they. I would like to get on on that pie. How much? How much better do they do it than their their peers? And how much investment do they have into their systems? Right. So I, I just think there's like it's a growing market. There's a lot of money to be made. I'm not sure why they're, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, why not more people move into it? Into I mean, it, oh, it, it, can, it can be it. complicated. I mean, just like security, you know, for that matter. Like if you're not. <laughs> um, the Winklevi are doing it. The Winklevi. So Gemini, Gemini, I think, is uh, the second largest exchange yep. in the U.S. right now. Yeah. The twins? Yeah, they're twins. I haven't tried their, their product yet. So, like, do you guys think... A lot of volume is going to move on to Robinhood when they do open. Yes. Yeah, mm. especially because it's an alternative that's easy. Yes. Yeah. Unless free. unless you're free, using right? GDAX and day trading it, um, Robinhood would not probably will, will keep their day trading limits onto it. They're not. I don't think they're. Well, they don't have like they don't need to deal with like pattern day trader rules. But they probably will anyways. I would assume that they would. That's know, that's my assumption is that they wouldn't because. By not doing so, they're actually putting the rest of their business at risk, right? Coinbase has no other business to risk. They can do whatever they like. They're free to do whatever they want in in cryptocurrencies. Robinhood has a lot of traditional investments in there, so they they're going to be they're going to be very a lot more. Um, yeah, I, I would I would not use Coinbase as a store for my for something that I'm not willing to lose. Well, I wasn't I wasn't willing to store a lot of money in Robinhood either to a certain extent. Once I reached a certain amount, I was I decided to switch over to something a little safer, a more more reliable one. Yeah, but I I I on the scale of reliability, I would take Robinhood over some of these other Coinbase <laughs> or Yeah. You know. I, I, like it's it they have that there's there's something I, I don't store the same reason I don't store all my money in, in Bitcoin, right? I could do that. I don't. Uh, but a disclaimer how none of this is actually advice. It's just conversation. No. They, I mean. Just, just throwing <laughs> Should we move on to the Visa, MasterCard, Crypto Funding? Yeah, because they're the total... Oh, no. Uh, I want to talk about Merrill Lynch first because they're the total opposite of what these companies are doing. They're essentially the old guard. And uh, I know, I know JP Morgan has come out and Jamie Dimon has said, you know, we're not doing cryptocurrencies, but they, they then backtracked and said, Hey, you know, we'll look into it. Right. Merrill Lynch is essentially banning everybody from doing Bitcoin, I guess, or cryptocurrencies in their, 
Cheers. They sold all seventeen hundred, all seventeen thousand investors. We do not do crypto. Do yes. not invest in it. They're banning it from the platform. A, though, sorry, wait. They put it out as a disclaimer, like just for all the people who are investing in general, we do not recommend it. Or are you saying that we will never host it? Is that no, no? They, they told the employees do not. Oh, they're invest. employees. They okay. can't. They can't make any positions based upon cryptocurrencies. Yeah, but I'm sure that's going to last like a year until Goldman comes out and goes, "Well, we made like 500 percent off that." So, like, we should reevaluate this. <laughs> if Goldman can do this, then obviously we can make money off. Well, it. that's why they're always considered a second rate. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> So it says the ban extends to clients trading in Grayscale's Bitcoin Investment Trust, fund led, fund led by uh, Bitcoin entrepreneur Barry Solver. Uh, the decision to block access to the fund was due to concerns about the suitability and eligibility standards of the product, in air quotes. Also futures, too. So The way I read it was that they can't make essentially any investment decisions based upon someone doing something in the, that, that space. Virtual market, virtual currency markets. They're and taking a very hard stance on it, where a lot of all of the other traditional banks and investment banks see. are, you know, are like, oh, we we don't really like it, but we're not closing our doors to it. I think it's interesting when a company like that does close their doors to it, because coming from the '90s and the early 2000s, it's it's a lot like you know magazines saying oh the internet who wants their news from the internet from a computer you know who doesn't want to read the newspaper it's a fad you know <laughs> it's a fad mp3s what about mp3s you know like we are against mp3s we are banning them as a industry we're going after you know it's very reactionary to it yeah, people don't like change so do you think merrill lynch is banning it because they see it as a, a systemic existential threat to their business i would think so they're all like right. america right they they make huge amounts of money. They just don't understand no. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's probably more of that they don't understand it and they think it's a fad. They, yeah, they they Our very well much start, they yeah. think it's a fad. And it's not worth the risk, right? So in terms of how much resources they need to pull into to try to understand it and then try to make money off it for their clients, like they find it's it's not worth to it. To me that just sounds like gross negligence running the company. I don't know. It sounds like a PR stunt. You're like, oh, you know, you know, you're you're talking to like old money people. Like, yeah, we're not dealing with those like right. you know those crypto bites or whatever. There's no money in there. Well, you know, we we do a traditional investment. We research. We know what we're talking about, right? Isn't that like the classic stock trader? Like, I only buy what I know. Yeah, I mean, you see, even right now, you still have you still have clients that prefer to like call up their broker and yeah. actually put in an order that way rather than going online and doing it very easily. Right. So if you're that type of guy who's like, I only invest in stocks that I know and I research and I can tell you everything about the company, and then they're like, why should I invest in Bitcoin? They're like, all right, I have to like understand blockchains. This is too much work. I'm not like doing research on a company to invest in. Like you're like, all right, I'm going to invest in Google. So I'm going to research and know everything about it. Re investing in like a uh, cryptocurrency drink um, requires like a different different level of understanding and technical expertise that a trader might not be equipped for, right? Yeah. Like imagine like a 50-year-old guy going, all right, let me read the white papers on the Lightning Network or something. To be fair, there could be a 50-year-old guy listening to this podcast yeah. going, I did that. I did that yeah. little punk. Yeah. So, <laughs> but like, but, like, but then, you know what's funny? At but the, the traders time, are not going to want to do that. But at the same that. time, like a lot of these... These clients like to own IPOs and so forth because mm. they want to. They want to 
be able to brag, oh, I own, I own Snapchat when it IPO'd, and he, they can look cool to the young kids or something like that, it's right? The, but it's, 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 you owned, it's like wearing their hat If you owned I, that filter, I make money off that, that rabbit filter of yours. I don't know how is Snapchat doing well. Can you imagine, well? like, some grandfather it's sitting like there, the like, price do, that do, you, do you really? like that filter? Really? I don't know how they make money. Like, I, it is like... They have those goggles, right? Oh, no, Snapchat is not making money. I know in Faneuil Hall, there's, they Should actually they... have one of those boots yeah. that sell the Snapchat glasses. Uh, and at first, what? I had no idea what it was. It, it has no labels or anything that says, like, these are Snapchat glasses or anything. And then you go in, they're like a hundred bucks for these random glasses. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm, what do these glasses do? They're Snapchat glasses. You know, you've yeah. not seen these? You no. Chat they're, they're, they're sunglasses with cameras on them on the side. And you can... It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like this guy. It's that picture of Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing a hat backwards and he's got a skateboard. The best part, though, is like his t-shirt just says music <laughs> yeah. band. <laughs> Yeah. So the Snapchat glasses, you can live stream to Snapchat your Snapchat account from the glasses. So it's a POV of you doing whatever, and you can Snapchat from there. Have you seen that movie, The Circle? So like AR, like no. Was filters? It, good? No. it actually wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Uh, but in it, like one of the things this. that they do is they like stick a little camera on the person, and she just like Emma yeah. Those are those are Snapchat glasses. Yeah. No, I mean that was in um, the watch. They you know did what? that. It doesn't look as ugly as I thought they would be. No, they're they're, they're they made look... they were made popular and fashion forward, and they had influencers influencing. I don't know. Snapchat should have gone the way of WhatsApp. <laughs> you just had a it's lot definitely... of users who just sold to Facebook and get your $2 billion and just call it. I'm sorry, this is way better than Google Glass. If Google, yeah, Google Glass tried to look Google like Google Glass this... is totally different, though. Google Glass yeah, meant Yeah, I know were... you're supposed to have something that you can see. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, if Google Glass just consulted someone who knew what people wanted to wear on their face, well, they wouldn't have looked quite as ridiculous. Well, Should we do the next they're... podcast where we all have Snapchats and we have Snapchat glasses? We live Snapchat we live, it. We live stream it. We, we, um, we live chat We put it on our story. That's what Snapchat does. It's a story. Yep. What filter will you be? See, that's what how filter I know best Google, represents who you Google are? Google Glass was definitely made by a guy who had no idea what people wanted to put on their face. I want so, a, a crab on my face. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, they're called face huggers. Face huggers. So, <laughs> so there, there's... like the brain thing. Yep. Google Glass... Google obviously discontinued it, but that's because they've become a huge investor in Magic Leap, who does it way better. So the stuff Magic Leap does Adds is... Uh, augmented reality. Like uh, you hold your yeah. hand out and things jump on yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Apparently their technology is light years ahead of everybody else's. Allegedly. Allegedly. No one actually knows, but everybody in this... That can invest in them, the Silicon Valley. Has People in the know. <laughs> yeah, that just makes it sound like it's a kind of a made-up thing, like the Emperor's New Clothes, when you're like, no one actually knows, but I hear it's really cool. The stories are like... Uh, they, the head crab's they... name was Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the stories with... Lamar! <laughs> like, they'll give you the Magic League glasses, you put it on, and then you're like, all right, I'll give you a billion dollars. Yeah. Those are like the stories of like how... Google, Alibaba... Are these glasses like laced with something? You know, no. Like it, it might not even technology. actually work, but they're like right. we are going to build something like this, and then it's going to work. Microsoft has the same thing, they right? The Microsofty thing, thing. Yeah. yeah, that looked pretty cool. So, but it, like in the demos, it looked really awesome. But I have yet. To I mean, that's that's yeah. the sort of thing. Yeah, that... I think we're like we're like probably like five, seven years out from it. I mean, the idea would be that you'd have a phone smart enough to do the graphic powers. Uh, you know, in the future, that that are like you know a quad dual 
Nvidia, yeah. blah blah blah. I'm just like, yeah. I'm just imagining like that Silicon Valley episode where the demo is run by a supercomputer, <laughs> but then like when you have to actually use your phone, the phone's gonna blow up. <laughs> well, it only blew up because there was bloatware attached to it. So yeah, you had to like had the like the latest fifteen hundred dollar iPhone X colon five or XX to run it. <laughs> Let's um. Let's move on. Let's move on to uh, Visa MasterCard. Did you know MasterCard has their own blockchain technology? What does that mean? Glad you brought that up because it doesn't really make sense. So MasterCard advertises, we created our own blockchain and we use our blockchain for our system of transferring uh, money around. They don't have a cryptocurrency. They don't have like a... Do they have a wallet though? Nope. They dubbed it blockchain. They have a general ledger. It, n- they not even that. called it blockchain it, because it's cool. They have, an, they have they have a thing called the general ledger. They basically it's basically kind of like Swift banking, which is like a protocol for transferring money yeah. around. They have their own version of that, and they call it blockchain. See if they need new they PR people make, because I could have just up, I could have just decided Master Block is a much cooler name. <laughs> oh yeah, Master Block <laughs> is great. Yeah. Yeah. You, Mastercard, if you are listening. <laughs> Gar is available. Ooh, when I level up my character, I need to trademark that. Like right now, <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been already. When, just get up here, the door start buying, Gar start is buying. Master Block. <laughs> um, when I level up my character in D and D from blockchain, he will be master blockchain. <laughs> if that's what they're doing, it's just a distributed general ledger. Yeah. It's essentially what they're doing. It's not distributed. What, it's not distributed general ledger. No, it's, it's distributed within their. It's, it's a. It's, it's, it's what you would call a a private distributed general ledger. Yeah, I just I just created a term, private distributed general ledger. Yeah, it's basically a bunch of the twenty five hundred different Mastercard server endpoints. Yeah, all handling transactions. Yeah, and using their proprietary thing called. Blockchain. Yes, if one of their servers dies, they do not lose all their balances. Right, all the I mean, money that you owe them and everybody yeah. else owes them. Yeah. See, like it's not it's not useful, right? It's like I mean. You would see the usefulness of it is if they could actually use it to verify if the other person has funds available, right? When you make that, that kind of purchase. No, but that, that defeats the purpose because it's not whether... Credit has nothing to do with whether or not you have funds available. It's whether or not I trust that you'll yeah, pay back. I guess that's true, right? yeah. So Maybe they're just using Bitcoin because it sounds cool to say that you're using Bitcoin. I think, yeah, like, I think they don't want to be left behind. They're kind of, like another aspect of there's doing some something called, uh, I think it's proof of uh, providence. It's like proof of ownership. So you can, throughout... Proof of stake? Yeah, it's like proof of that, like, at the transaction all the way through doesn't get, like, befuddled, you know? Doesn't get, like, forked or money befuddled. <laughs> <laughs> I remember back in 2013, Bitcoin was always getting befuddled. <laughs> <laughs> so, Visa MasterCard recently... Uh, what did they do? Did they stopped? No, they allowing... just added a fee onto buying. No, yeah. No. So instead of instead of counting it as a purchase, that's a cash advance. Yeah, it's, it's a, a cash, cash advance, which makes sense. Okay. Which yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. So you just get like a, you know, like if you're buying cash at three and a half percent, because you could just go in and go, okay, I want to buy fifty thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin on this credit card, and then immediately cash out, and then. I'm sure people turning credit cards had like some concept of yeah. that. Or just open up like a ton of credit cards and then just buy all the Bitcoin you can and then vanish, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, or just declare bankruptcy. Yeah. Now you can do that, but you had to take a 3% penalty. I don't think that I think it's like, I think they were this. charging like, four, I think Coinbase charges 4%. Oh, really? Now? Credit card. 
I thought so, it was three on there. I, didn't, I wasn't quite sure. So you'd be used charging. You'd be charged. I don't know three, four percent. Then you'd also be charged the cash advance fee, and then yeah. you'd be charged those fees like daily as well from the credit card companies. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. I, I I think we're all in agreement that it shouldn't be a normal transaction, right? It shouldn't be yeah. buying a product. I I don't think I necessarily agree that it's a um, cash advance. I think it's it should be charged as a foreign transaction fee. I think that that would probably be the the best. Why would it be a foreign transaction fee? Why you're should, not you're buying be currency. Anything? Yeah, I mean, but that's what a, if, a foreign transaction fee. Is. Foreign transaction fee is like if I'm in London and I buy. <clears throat> something like i buy an iphone there yeah it's, it's a transaction that's playing taking place in a foreign place but if yeah, but i'm that, in but london and i'm buying pounds that's a cash advance they're different things yeah and you have different yes, limits you have your, a separate limit from cash advance limits oh. versus your credit card limit. but you're yes that's true um it probably makes sense for them to, to do it a, as a because a, they can reverse transact like if i buy like like 10 iphones and i don't you know yeah they're, they're you know they, they can go to the vendor and track things yeah. but like if you're buying straight currency yeah you know it's just like going to like a telex or 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 tradex whatever those okay foreign yeah, okay. places at the airport right. it's that no right. i guess they i would agree they want to use your credit card usually right mm-hmm. i mean it's the same with you know you take a credit card and you try to go buy a ton of gift cards at at a store usually yeah, they, they won't let you because those are like almost like cash equivalents are right? you experience, uh, talking from experience car <laughs> <laughs> i know i wouldn't do anything i would like all your green dots sir <laughs> <laughs> In the trading world, they they have abused these channels. So, <laughs> so you're, the, the trading world, they they might have overstepped their bounds once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do really shady stuff where they'll go and buy green dots and or stuff like that, take those and try to buy money orders. What's a green dot? It's a like Visa a... cash card or okay. something. Like yeah. There used to be avenues where you could use them and just buy money orders. And then take the money and orders and deposit back into your bank account. My favorite and was pretty cash. No, my my favorite know. was the U.S. Mint for a time because they wanted the dollar coin to be in circulation. Is that you could go online and you could use your credit card and buy dollars, and um, there was no fee and they didn't charge a delivery fee. So I could put on my card a thousand dollars. I would get a thousand coins. One dollar coin. Do you coins. have a thousand Sacagawea coins somewhere? So what? So, so I did do this. So what happened was this guy did it, and he did about seventy five thousand dollars worth. And he would go around the banks, and he'd take the coins, deposit them, and he'd get the cash and pay the credit card. And he would churn churn yeah. the credit cards. He got blacklisted at like all the banks within a sixty mile radius because they did not. He would show up with a sack of coins, and they're like, no. I'm sorry, I kind of want to see this, though. Like, literally a sack of gold coins just, like, spelling I felt bad for the, the post the office guy. Oh, the post <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, my God. That guy must have guns. Are you kidding me? He's, like, bringing these boxes with gold coins. Yeah. Oh, gold. How scary is that if he just drops off, like, a couple grand in front of your doorstep? <laughs> you don't even have a doorman. It's, like, one of those crappy apartments out here, like a college apartment. You know, it's just kind of sort of in the entryway. You got to go up to, like, the sixth floor and, yeah. Yeah, no, that that is yeah, a good. Yeah, that's the reason why Mastercard has. Yeah, I, I talked to that guy on Reddit. <laughs> really, <laughs> churning famous. But yeah, I mean, all in all, it's it's really just their risk exposure, right, for fraud. Yeah. I mean, that this is a loophole. So, pick of the week. I want you guys pick something that you found interesting this week and give it a mention or a plug. Nameless plugs included. I have to think about. Uh, I'll start off. 
So yeah, I used changeelly.com to exchange or really to dump my shit coins. So I dumped Bitcoin gold, uh, you know, relative recent high. I think it was at like $212. And I was like, oh, I've had this shit coin for a while. And long story short, short shit coins are, you know, some people may think they're scams, but basically you take Bitcoin, you fork it, you change a few properties and you release the software and say it's a new cryptocurrency. But the important piece is they take a snapshot of the Bitcoin blockchain at a certain point and their fork has changed the protocol in such a way that it's no longer compatible with Bitcoin. So the best way to quote unquote claim your new shitcoin is you take your Bitcoin wallet and you send your funds to a, a new address that's after the fork. So that way no one can steal your funds. And then you take a backup copy of that wallet that has a balance on it from before the fork. And then you can take those funds and move them around this new altcoin uh, ecosystem. So all I did was I just took my Bitcoin gold and I sent them to Change Ellie and I told them to convert it into Bitcoin and send it to a wallet address that I owned in Bitcoin. And I didn't have to listen to an exchange or do any of that, that kind of stuff. You just kind of want to dump it and get rid of it, then Change Alley is a really great place to do that. So that's my pick of the week. What is yours? Julie? Come back to me. Matt? Uh, yes, so there is this amazing show on Amazon called The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Yes, Mrs. Maisel. She's oh, Mrs. Maisel. It's yeah. so good. And uh, it's kind of like a very nice, like, positive it's like a world better Mad Men. of Mad Men. But it is heartfelt, it's very punny. If you like the Gilmore Girls and that style of writing is run by those people, the whole thing is on Amazon. It's amazing. The costumes, the set design, uh, the characters, the, the puns, the jokes, it is phenomenal. I recommend everyone to uh, watch it. They also have a lot of really good that. comedians who guest star on it. Jane Lynch was on it. Yeah. And the star, uh, Miss Maisel, she was also in House of Cards. She was the prostitute that got knocked off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's a very different role for her, and she was really good. So you liked it, eh? It was great, yeah. It's really, yeah, really that's good. That's where I've seen her do for It's really it's funny. Like she looked familiar. Did you binge it? <laughs> How'd you get into it? Uh, my wife started watching it. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, oh, the comedy's really good. Uh, it's it's kind of like a period film from like the, the 50s. period piece from the 50s. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really great because it, it, it dives a lot into the, the struggles that these, you know, women in the 1950s who are basically subjugated to be housewives, uh, what is their role when they are not uh, not willing to play that, that role? Like, what happens when they don't? It still makes the exact same mistakes and downfalls that Mad Men makes where the people of color literally get pushed off stage. Like, there was that scene in the first episode where there is a woman of color who I believe is a poet, and she's like doing that poem about Wichita or something like that. And Mrs. Maisel comes in drunk, ready to give her like second monologue. And so Susie, the future manager, not to spoilers, I suppose, you know, comes in and literally shoves the woman of color off stage yeah. in order for Mrs. Maisel to come on. And you know, they have yeah, there's a few, a handful of others, and you can argue, you know, segregation or there were issues at the time, but. And it's a light affair, so we don't want to address that. And I mean, there's other things to go into, but overall, it is fun to watch and definitely a much more positive look at things. Yeah. The, the father who plays her, I um, can't remember that actor's name. 
He was from, in Monk. He was the guy from Monk. He right? was the guy from Monk. He was absolutely wonderful. I really oh, yeah. enjoyed his his actually very slow burn character development. Where at the beginning you don't think he's going to do much, but he does very slowly come on to the yeah. show and you know insert himself. Yeah, he's got this like really great intellectual like Jewish father thing going on. It's great. My pick of the week is also binge worthy. Uh, is the book Ready Player One. Mm. Excellent book. Which I read this weekend in a span of 24 hours. Could not put it down. They're making a movie out of this. So I suggest reading the book before you seeing the movie. It's an awesome pop culture book, essentially. Mm. Um, lots of action. So, My pick of the week is The Runaways on Hulu. Also binge-worthy. Apparently we're just watching a lot of TV these days. <laughs> um, Runaways is based off of a comic book series by Marvel featuring a diverse cast of not just super-powered individuals, but, you know, some people with no powers, people who just have a genetically engineered raptor, um, and a pretty diverse cast, kind of reminiscent of the 90s, where you had, like, one Asian person, one black person, one Latino, and so on and so forth. But it does it in a way that doesn't seem painfully obvious that any of these are token characters. They all get character depth in surprising ways, and it's a good... I think it was meant to be. Wait, a, is that a spoiler? What character depth? Oh, I thought you said character depth. Character depth. They actually all have backstory and. Spoiler! I wanted them to all be flat characters with nothing unique about them. It's actually a two-dimensional cartoon. No, no, it's all live action, and um, even the, the the premise of it is that. These kids have grown apart, and then one evening they all get back together again, you know, family friends style, and they witness something that their parents do. And then you sex. think that it is not sex. Not sex in the way is, you think. It is not the greatest <laughs> thing. Um, and you would think that this is the kind of show where it just focuses on the teenagers at this point, but it actually does develop the parents as well, and no one is truly a bad guy sort of situation, except for one person eventually, but... Um, I highly recommend Runaways. If you've watched The Gifted on Fox, it is the much better version of Marvel on TV because I have many issues with The Gifted, but I think that's maybe a different segment. Gripes. Different, different podcast. Gripes with grapes. I don't know. I'm going to go with something different. My pick of the week is my dog, Eska. <laughs> She's a four-year-old Siberian Husky that we rescued from Houston. She's a stray that probably got lost during the hurricane. Oh, well. Oh, which, where did you get her from? Yay. From, I don't know, from Houston. They said their caretaker was in Houston, so they've delivered her up to us. Afterwards. Did you use that dog Tinder matching app? Pet, pet, pet finder. finder? Pet Finder, yeah. Yeah, I use Pet Finder. Yep. Um, so, yeah, she's getting acclimated, like, up here. And, yeah, I hope you guys can all meet her sometime, unless you're allergic or you're a cat. Unless <laughs> <laughs> you're specifically a cat. I have a confession, everybody. Uh-oh. I am a cat. Uh, she may kill you. She may just pounce <laughs> on you and just like cats, squirrels, like rabbits. Like she just, she can't help just it. <laughs> so how do you get the name Eska? No, we just like brainstorm some names. Escaflone, steampunk cat. They named her Elsa, but I'm sure like that wasn't that wasn't even her real name before that. I see. A four year old made right. made that decision. <laughs> so how come you didn't go with uh, Esta? Which is ECDSA, which is like a crypto algorithm. <laughs> oh, yeah, cheers, crypto. crypto. That's it for episode two. Thanks for listening. Let us know what you think. You can reach us on Twitter. We are at CryptoBlockTales. 
Follow us on SoundCloud. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, Instagram, and a whole slew of other podcasts and social media platforms. Visit CryptoCocktails.pub for a full list. Thanks again. We really appreciate it. So next week, we're going to make a special cocktail for each of the major Bitcoin protocols.